0: This is the Lion's Unchained podcast, where the shackles of your mind are broken. It's not for the faint-hearted, but the chosen few who've embraced the call to leadership, dare to venture where others will not, and believe in God's supernatural power. Join Carl Joseph now for a life-changing word. Get ready to be unleashed into your destiny.
1: Let's continue our study of the nine spiritual gifts, and today, we'll discuss the gifts of healing let's read our key passage together once more that's first Corinthians chapter 12 verses 7 through 11 but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit withal for to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another divers kinds of tongues to another the the interpretation of tongues but all these work that one and the self same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will did you notice friend it says gifts of healing plural instead of gift as the others are described singularly it's written this way because there are various classes of sickness and consequently there are various classes of healing to counter these different categories of sickness Let's start out by saying the gifts of healing have nothing to do with medical science or human learning. Think about it. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, was a medical doctor, and he went with the Apostle Paul on several of his missionary journeys. Luke was even with Paul when he was shipwrecked and they were on the island of Melita together in the Mediterranean. However, nothing is said about Luke ministering to the people on the island with his medical knowledge. But the father-in-law of the chief man of the island was sick, and Paul laid hands on him, and he was healed supernaturally. Without doubt, this was the gift of healing in manifestation. Then the islanders brought the sick from all over the island, and when Paul ministered to them, they were healed. The 28th chapter of the book of Acts covers this account, and you can read it by yourself in your own time. Now, just to make it clear, I'm not against medical science or doctors in any way, shape or form. All healing comes from God, in my opinion. And these men assist God in the healing process. They assist us in God's healing process. Whether it's through physical means or assisting the body to regenerate itself, I believe God has sincerely equipped these men and women with much knowledge to assist in aiding humanity to good health but if medical science were enough luke would have intervened with his natural medical knowledge on the island of melita when he was with paul but no friend in order for publius the chief man of the island to be healed he required the laying on of hands for supernatural healing It should also be noted that if doctors and medical science were solely God's method of healing, medical treatment would always be free from errors and doctors would never make any mistakes. But this is clearly not the case. Once again, doctors, nurses and medical science do their best. That's not in question. And without the usage of antibiotics or surgical procedures, I wouldn't be talking to you today. There are also many good Christian doctors out there who have their patient's best interests at heart and choose the well-being of the patient over the drug company's desire to sell more drugs by taking advantage of their patients who know no better. Now, healing that comes supernaturally doesn't come by diagnosis or by prescribing treatment. Divine healing is usually administered in three ways. Number one, the laying on of hands. Number two, anointing with oil. Or three, simply by verbally commanding the sickness to leave and speaking the word of God over the person. And remember, anyone can receive from God healing supernaturally. They don't necessarily need a third party to be involved. They can just reach from the throne room and grab it for themselves. But let me also add here that we are commissioned by the Lord Jesus to heal the sick. In Matthew 10.8, Mark 16.17, Luke 9.2, and how we do so is described in James 5.15. In other words, we don't just sit around waiting for the gift of healing to appear before we pray for the sick. No, we're commissioned to do so and apply our faith in that area. Remember, it's the Holy Spirit who distributes the gift as he wills, not us. But we need to make ourselves available for him to move. Now let's make the point again. Jesus ministered not as the Son of God, but as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was just as much the Son of God when he was 25 years old as he was when he was the Son of God at 30 years old. The difference is that he hadn't healed a single person prior to the age of 30 and that's because he had not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. It was from this point onwards that Jesus said, Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The works that I speak unto you I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me he does the works. And later on Jesus reiterated his power when he said in Luke 4 verses 18 through 19, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now Jesus ministered to the sick then as anyone else would minister to the sick today by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. However, there's something we need to bear in mind before we proceed any further. In John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 34, it says that Christ had the Holy Spirit without measure. Therefore, we would see a full manifestation of spiritual gifts operating in Jesus' ministry that we wouldn't see in anyone else's ministry today. Because like I said, Jesus had the Spirit without measure. No other person has the Spirit without measure today. However, one could also infer that the entire body of Christ has the same measure of the Spirit collectively as Jesus did individually when he walked upon the earth. Therefore, just as one person would not have the same measure of success ministering even the gifts of healing that Jesus did in his earthly ministry because he had an unlimited measure of the Holy Spirit, and we don't. Therefore, in the ministry of Jesus, every manner of sickness and every manner of disease was healed. Matthew 9.35 But that is not always the case with ministers today. Therefore, Jesus moved in all the gifts of the Spirit, except tongues and interpretation, which are exclusive to this dispensation of grace or the church age, which Jesus ushered in by his death, burial, and resurrection, and the subsequent outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost for those who tarried in Jerusalem. Now, some scholars believe that Jesus did pray in tongues, as it's mentioned in the Gospel of John that he groaned in the Spirit in John 11:33. But this possible display of glossolalia is conjecture and cannot be verified. Now, in my own life, I've been blessed to have witnessed several workings of the gifts of healing. I've laid hands on people down the years and been fortunate enough to see cancer healed three times, Crohn's disease twice, a brain tumor healed supernaturally, scoliosis, celiac disease, shingles. I give Jesus all the glory and I take no credit for it. I would also add that on each occasion, I prayed for that person by faith. I'm also not special, and God's not a respecter of persons. If you make yourself available, God will use you too in the gifts. If we simply apply our faith in the area of healing, as the scripture attests, and we do the works of Jesus as he commissioned us to do so, then the gifts of healing can be in operation. But we don't choose those gifts the Holy Spirit does. One example I would like to share, which is very special to me, occurred in 2003 in Stafford, Texas, at a food pantry called Amigos de Dios. I was serving there in my spare time and knew Carolyn, a lovely lady who ran the pantry. I was also looking after her books at the time and taking care of the administrative aspects of the organization as a favor to her. Anyway, so I was working there on a Friday morning and this was the day that we handed out food and prayed for people. Uh, On this day, a lady came and approached and said these words, I have a brain tumor. I'm going to be operated upon on Tuesday, but I believe the Lord can heal me. I was a bit taken aback initially, but started to pray under my breath. So I asked a few of the helpers there to gather around, and we started laying hands on this lady and commanded the brain tumor to wither and die, which is how Jesus would have prayed when he encountered an obstacle in his life. I didn't stand there and ask God to heal her, no. I knew that healing was already granted in the covenant. We stood on the word of God and commanded the tumor to leave, and that's how I would pray for cancer or Crohn's disease or fibromyalgia or any other sickness for that matter. We pray and believe God and leave the rest up to him. We don't beg God to do something that he's already promised to us because this is not acting in faith. So as I said, several of us had started praying for this lady, but for some reason I lost my peace when I did. I couldn't shake it off. I just didn't feel right in my spirit about the situation. Then I heard a still small voice in my spirit say this, she has unforgiveness. I ignored it for a few seconds, but the words came back a second time. She has unforgiveness. So I plucked up the courage to ask her, Uh, excuse me, uh, miss, but do you have any issues of unforgiveness by any chance? She replied sternly, I hate my brother and I hate my mother. Now hate is a strong word, friend. So I put a handkerchief in her hand as an illustration and told her to hold it tight. I said, as long as you hold on to that unforgiveness, God is unable to heal you because unforgiveness is a thief that robs from us. It gives Satan legal ground to work in our lives. Remember what it says in Mark 11:25, and it's a great illustration. You can talk all day about speaking to the mountain or the obstacle, but Jesus said, "And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive your trespasses." Anyway, my point is that unforgiveness is the last thing Jesus mentioned right after speaking to the hindrance or obstacle in our lives. In other words, unforgiveness can prevent our prayers from being answered because your father is unable to forgive you unless you first forgive the other person and your trespasses are wiped clean in his sight. So after explaining this to her, she confessed her unforgiveness. She repented and asked the Lord to forgive her. And the moment she did, her face changed literally. Her countenance started to brighten up. She smiled for the first time and started crying. It was at that moment I knew it was time to pray and we'd be successful because there were no longer any hindrances to getting our prayers answered. Friend, it's crucial, as I've said before, as in James chapter 5, that we confess our faults and our sins so that we free up our soul, clear the logjam, and allow the healing power of God to move in our lives. So one more time, we laid hands on her and commanded the brain tumor to wither and die in Jesus' name. This time, she smiled and said, I know the Lord has done it. I know he's healed me. She went away that day with victory in her heart. The very next Tuesday, she saw the doctor. She instructed him to perform another test to see if the brain tumour was still there. The doctor insisted it hadn't gone away and there was no need, but this lady stood her ground and said she wasn't going to be operated upon until she had a second test. Eventually, the doctor gave in and complied, and he performed the test. Lo and behold, the results came back, and there was no evidence of a brain tumour whatsoever, praise God. The doctor was simply amazed. He had a before and an after x-ray. He's looking at it, in one instance it was there, in another it was gone. The lady told him that Jesus had healed her and he was a Jewish gentleman and that gave him food for thought. To be honest, I wasn't sure I had enough general faith to see a brain tumor disappear, but for the few of us who prayed for that lady that day, God performed a miracle of healing. Friend, what God has done for me, he will do for you. Meditate on God's word in the area of healing in order to increase your faith. Meditate on 1 Peter 2.24. Meditate on Isaiah 53, Matthew 8.17, Psalm 103. Make yourself available for God to move. So when he leads you to pray for somebody, you will be ready for the miracle that works through you as he wills it. That's why I'm teaching on these spiritual gifts, so that we may have an opportunity to use them. Remember, it's God's responsibility to heal. It's not yours. So the pressure's on him, not you. So stay tuned, friend.
0: You've been listening to Carl Joseph and the Lions Unchained podcast. Carl is a minister who has witnessed God's miraculous power to save, heal, and deliver. Carl covers topics such as geopolitics, current affairs, cults, societal trends, and end-time events all through a biblical lens. Every Monday, new podcasts are uploaded, so stay tuned for the next opportunity to Roar into Victory. Check out carljosephministries.com for exciting articles, teachings, and discussion points. See you next week, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button.